This episode of the Relax Running Podcast is brought to you by Precision Hydration. Precision Hydration was inspired by Andy Bloat based in the UK. He wanted to create some sports drinks that were unique, that were personalized to the athlete that he was creating them for. So that's what I love about these uh, these guys and their sports drinks is every single product that they give out is based on a free sweat test that you take before you get the purchases. They look at how much you sweat, the kind of salt that's in your sweat, and a whole heap of other stuff that really helps determine what you need in your hydration plan. So if you want to go to precisionhydration.com, take their free sweat test. It's going to give you some really good resources. And then with the resources that you're offered, use the coupon code RELAXED15. That's all in capitals, RELAXED15. If you want to get a bit more of an idea about what they're about, you can book in a phone call with uh, one of their sweat experts, read a little bit about them in the blogs that I've attached in the show notes. But guys, these are a really awesome company, one that I'm super excited to be able to partner with and bring to you, introduce you to, because I just uh, I so believe in the in the methodology or in the in the process that they take to, to find out the, uh, the hydration plan for you. So make sure you take advantage of that deal while it's still on offer. Because this is a podcast that I recorded a couple of months ago, and it's what I like to call a special one. About twice a year, I like to just give you a little sneak peek into the membership and offer you a conversation with one of the best athletes that Australia's ever produced. And today's no exception. We're getting close to Christmas, so consider this one a Christmas present. Um, it is the great man from Boulder, Colorado? I always get, yeah, it's Boulder. It's Boulder. It's Morgan McDonald. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, let me let me give you a couple of numbers. He's a four-time NCAA champ. He's a 13-14 man over 5K. I think he's run 339 for the 1500, 354 for the mile. He's a, he's a quality athlete, and I've always admired him from a distance. I've liked watching him race. He's a bloody good racer, and he just looks good when he runs as well. You know those people who just look relaxed, got a bit of spring in their step? You don't want to be near this guy. Well, you don't want this guy near you with 150 meters to, to go because he's got a pretty good reputation for running over the top of the field. Really good guy. I liked him. Got a quiet confidence about him. Not super loud spoken, but when he talks, you can tell he backs himself, and so he should. He's a, he's a great athlete. So this is one that I've been excited to, or he's excited to originally share it in the membership. And hey, because it's, uh, because it's this time of the year, I'm feeling, what's the word you say? I'm feeling festive. So consider it a gift. If you do like this, we have 26 bonus podcasts in the uh, in the membership, but the, the podcast is just something that's that's there as well. It's a little extra gift. What I like most about the membership is it's a growing library of training programs. We've just put up the 28-day the challenge for, for runners of all levels, really. It's got strength and recovery and intervals and you name it. It's in there. It's a really good start to, to get you going. We've also got training programs from the 5K all the way through to the marathon. So you can get on board there for, for 10 bucks US a month. Just jump over to relaxrunning.com slash join. Enter your details in there. Check it out. Have a look. See if you like it. Um, but uh, there's always going to be stuff being added. The the Experts Corner video libraries are just some little extra snippets that I record with people in person over Skype experts in their field so answering members questions all about diet and hydration and racing and um, mindset and training and you name it it's there anyway jump on board check it out see if you like it that's about enough from me guys enjoy this conversation with the great man from boulder colorado morgan mcdonald
I was thinking the other day when I invited you on, I kept saying uh, we'll do it Melbourne time. And I was thinking, yeah. mate, he's probably in Melbourne. Like, I, I'm glad I clarified <laughs> now, though. What time is it there? All right, so here it is, um, 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. Oh, good. I was hoping I hadn't got yet, like, some super awkward no, hour. No. The time difference isn't too bad. I mean, there's a pretty good big crossover, like, in the evening, in the morning, so it's fine. Yeah, beautiful. I've just realized, dude, I've never connected with you before, and I've never heard you speak. So I'm trying to figure out if – have you got a little bit of an American accent going on there, or what you, – you've oh, got well, some more than, weird... more than a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I sound super American. I sound more American than Australian now. It's so sad. Um, yeah, like straight – I mean, I've been here for six years, to be fair, and I came over when I just turned 18. But after one semester, I came back, and already people were making fun of me for sounding American. It's just gotten worse since then. <laughs> well, Again, look- yeah luke matthews claims that i had an american accent before i went over i mean i think he's lying <laughs> but that's what he says if you ask him well lukey matthews is under a big threat because i told you in the message the other day actually both geordie williams and luke matthews are going to be shattered that you've come on because i told you that i reckon you've you've taken the mantle of the best looking podcast guest today so uh, we've got two <laughs> very sad men in australia oh yeah i mean i know i know you're a bit of a comedian but uh <laughs> okay, mate, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting many laughs i tell you what comedians are loose use of the word it's um it's one of those funny things bro because i say i, I say I, I i try and do comedy and all my mates are like you're kidding aren't you like i don't think i've ever laughed at anything you've said in your whole life oh that's hilarious uh, i think and this podcast is the place where i bomb more than any other place <laughs> hey, so six, six years you've been over there for man i, I wasn't 100 percent sure but i i I feel yeah. like every time I see the name Morgan McDonald, it's attached to something going on with NCAA mm-hmm. or something in America. Yeah, so uh, I came over, I started school at Wisconsin. Well, actually, I came over, like, very initially, 2014 World Juniors was here in Eugene, um, and I raced the 5K there as an 18-year-old. And then I stayed here after that and started college in Wisconsin, Um in September of that year and so then I took five years there so I graduated in 2019 and uh yeah now I'm still here as a pro runner so yeah it's uh I'm on my sixth year sweet man yeah it's funny I never I never had the opportunity to be that good to consider going to a college when I was old enough to go but I had a little bit of a look through like your national Australian championships just before we started this phone call, and I don't think you've ever lost a race in Australia. Have you? I feel like every national <laughs> no, race. I lost, is... I lost races in Australia for sure. Um, but I was pretty lucky, honestly. Like I was pretty talented growing up. Um, I only really did cross country when I was younger. I played like cross country and soccer um, a lot during the winter, and then by the end of winter, I always had like some growth pains or something. So I didn't do much track until I was a bit older. Um, once I started track, I definitely got my ass kicked a little bit <laughs> um, getting into it. But in cross country, I was like, I was pretty good. I was just really lucky. I had some nice talent. And I had, I mean, I was so lucky in Australia. I had great people around me. Um, from the age when I was like, you know, like eight years old or whatever, I, I was in a squad with like, um, I was with Sean, Sean uh, Williams in Sydney down in Centennial Park. And, you know, that's like Benny St. Harry Summers and just so many other good guys like around me the whole time. So I was just really lucky, to be honest. So what made you go over to the States? I'm always interested to hear the story about what inspires like young talent over here to hit up colleges. Yeah, to be honest, like I always knew I wanted to go to college. Um, Partly just kind of like the the life experience, you know, like it just sounded really fun and stuff. And then um, more like running serious. I like saw it as like kind of like the perfect bridge between 
finishing high school and becoming a pro runner because like obviously in Australia that's a very tough like transition time you know like once you're once you're no longer a junior you work you're racing against literally the best in Australia already and like I mean you, you might not be ready for that necessarily and so that's a few years there which I think can be pretty tough and obviously I think we see a lot of people fall out of the sport at that time because of that so college was just like the per- to me it was like the perfect bridge for that gap and um I mean, you just get looked after so well at college. It's not really there's, – there's nothing else like in the world, you know. We're just – you're so lucky as a runner over there. Like, everything that they do for you, the facilities, the teams, or the, the depth of the races and stuff that you get to do. So, I mean, I just saw all that, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I want to be a pro runner one day. That looks like the, the best path to try and do it, you know. All right, man. Yeah, that sounds sweet. So, <laughs> was your progression over there pretty rapid? Because I feel like your name just popped onto the scene. And then – it's funny, bro. I've said to quite yeah. a few people that – there's there's some people who just seem to know how to race, and yeah. I feel like you're one of the blokes that when I see your name on a start line, I'm like, all right, there's going to be a top a top three place at least. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've ability. definitely had some bad races in my time, but um, racing has definitely always been like a strong suit of mine. Like if I'm if I'm if I'm ready to go, like I'm and I have a chance, like I'm gonna be up there, you know, like um, I'm gonna be competitive. I'm not like I just it's just the way I always have been. Um, I seem to be able to like step it up pretty good on race day, which is pretty awesome. I mean, I kind of thrive on race day. Um, so yeah, in college that was tough initially though, because especially like that first cross country season, like really like there was so many guys that were better than me, like, and it, that was just a reality. And I was coming from, um, you know, just that classic type of big fish in a small pond type thing. Um, and I just got my ass kicked a lot and that made racing really hard <laughs> when I wasn't used to it. And so, um there was a bit of a transition there but uh, I still put down some pretty good times my freshman year and then by my second year in outdoors I'm um, in the 5k I came fifth against like a pretty good field and I ran um 1329 so it was like a pretty big jump up then and then the next few years I had some injuries and stuff but I was pretty solid for the rest of my time in college like kind of up there which was nice what injuries were you having trouble with at the time um so the first one that I had, which is my only really bone injury, was uh, it was in my th- my third metatarsal. It was a stress reaction or a stress fracture. I got that during indoors, and I ran on it for a couple of weeks. I'd had a couple of good races on it actually, but then I was like, yeah, this is. I got an MRI. I was like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> this is not going away. <laughs> uh, and then I shut it down after that. And that was uh, that was 2017. And so that was early in the year though. And I actually ended up running like so well. Uh, coming off that injury which is pretty awesome um that was when I made my first world champs team and stuff which is yeah that was a crazy year for that but uh then a year later and this is what kind of played to me at the com games like I didn't race very well there because I had um tip pose problems like kind of like near the calf um just like tendon stuff you know and that that's I still have those problems today like that's what I'm working on like it's at this point it's kind of like a thing that just pops up now and then it's really frustrating but um I'm definitely working a lot to try get over that you know that's kind of just like a big big hurdle for me right now but definitely something that a lot of my focus goes to in training and stuff so when you say tip post problems what is what does that mean particularly is that like a is, is that muscular or is that joint like what's, so, the, what's the deal so yeah it's like a tendon and um I think it can be different for different people but the way that it acts for me is like um it kind of comes on like it comes on it's annoying how it comes on because it comes on like there's no warning signs really like i'll just like have like a solid few solid weeks of training and then i'll do like a 
big session or something and then like the next day it might start hurting and then I'll know like oh yeah I pushed it too far and then um it'll be like a little bit strained or something like that and there's just inflammation there and just takes some time to settle down that's kind of how it is so and like there's so many different reasons why that might be happening to me <laughs> but uh um yeah I'm like definitely working on that right now um especially after this year with my so my new coach who I just joined like in the last couple of months Joe Bosshart is really into um I mean his big thing is staying injury free which is like for me that's the most crucial thing and so he's very involved in terms of gym work and stuff and being smart with training so you can just stay injury free and have as much consistency as possible so definitely after the season, because, you know, we're kind of already in the season, so there's not too much you want to change right now, but definitely once the season's over, like I'll be hitting the gym pretty hard and stuff and trying to work on some of my weaknesses, you know? Yeah, nice, man. So uh, what's your name, sorry? He's Joe Bosshard. Joe Bosshard. So which group's that? Who else are you training with uh, under him? Yeah, so I guess it's called Team Boss. Um, it's, it's a group with an interesting story because um, if you – I don't know how – like it's, it's completely different to Australia, obviously the way it is in America. Now there's like pretty much all the pro groups are similar to MTC where, you know, they're funded and associated with a specific company. Um, so like you have to be sponsored by that company to be able to join the group. And Joe's group actually isn't. Um, he's uh, married to Emma Coburn, the steepler world champion. <laughs> She's pretty good. And uh, he started coaching her after 2016 and then, very organically like he doesn't really try and recruit anyone because it's just like it's i mean to decide to be a pro runner that's such like a you know you got to want to do it so he doesn't like say like hey you should come join he he's looking for people well he's there to help people that want to be coached by him and want to be part of it you know so slowly over time the group has just grown a bit and so on the female side it's it's really really good there's a ton of really awesome uh women they just ran um we had a race a couple days ago and three girls ran i think under 424 in the mile which is that's like close to four minutes for a 1500 you know so they're really good and then on the guys we are not quite as strong but it's like i have some great training partners i'm really lucky and it's just growing um we had a race we we also raced a mile and i paced the, a couple of my teammates for 1200 meters and they both like broke four in the mile you know one of them ran 356 the other ran 357 so like it's pretty good guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? Who are you pacing? Uh, a guy called Trip Hurt and a guy called Nick Harris. Dude, it, this uh, is this is the thing that trips me out about Australian versus American running. Like, there's no there's no Aussie running three fifty six or three fifty seven whose name I, I just haven't heard. And granted, like I haven't I need to I need to venture out more and touch base with with more American athletes and stuff. But the the fact that I haven't heard of these blokes yet and I'm well, pretty yeah. into the running scene that's a that's a scary thought, man. But far out. So they're yeah. in some fine form. Yeah, no, it actually really fit right now. Uh, we've been training really well. But, yeah, I think that just, I mean, that's the depth here, you know. If you if you look at, like, the college scene, for example, you have um, probably about 20 guys every year breaking four in, just in college, you know. So it's like you got all these guys coming through every year. And it's just getting deeper and deeper. Like, there's high schools breaking four every year now. Like, so it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy, honestly. Have you been following much of the time trial stuff going on around? Like, there's plenty in Australia as well. I know there's been a, a few yeah. in the States. Yeah, um, I've seen some real impressive stuff for sure. It's been pretty crazy. It's been, like, been making me a bit antsy to get back racing and stuff, you know? Did you see Big Matty Ramsden the other day drop a 7.39 for 3K? Yeah, man, he looks so fit right now. He looks Dude, awesome. he looks terrifying. <laughs> he looks terrifying. Yeah. He's got legs that go up to his head. 
I reckon yeah, he takes about. Oh man, yeah, he just looks. He looks so smooth. It's been. I feel like he's one bloke in particular that's really just taken this, um, this COVID time under his under his belt a little bit. Like I, he ran like yeah. a four fifty five for two k, and then I saw him drop this ridiculous three k. Mate, I'm I'm pretty scared to to watch what else he's got coming up. Even even Grego the other day, I saw Grego in like pelting rain ran a seven forty five yeah, or something. I, that, I was yeah, impressed with that. Moved. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's so different. Like it's it's not necessarily easy to get out there and just bust the time. Some people can do it, and clearly, like those guys, like Matt Ramson. I didn't see a video of the race, so, so I don't know like what he had in terms of pace or whatever. But clearly, these guys can go out and like put down these performances, um, which is so impressive. Like just go out and doing that, you know, cause I'm, I mean, I, I can run a quick time, you know, but I'm, I'm definitely like a racer. Like I, I thrive from, um, competition rather than kind of like the clock, I would say. And that's just like my mentality. So, um, I look at these guys doing this stuff and I'm very, very impressed. Mm, that's interesting, man. Yeah. You, you strike me as the kind of bloke who, uh, I, it's weird. I feel like all the kickers, all the blokes who can sprint finish just love to race. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, yeah, a it's just because it's just because we're pussies, man. We just like to hang back <laughs> until the end. And just kick. That's how Mate, it is. If I was a pussy running, what, what have you run? Thirteen, fourteen, or thirteen, fifteen, or something? Yeah, 30, oh, 15, I guess. I, I hate the thought of what that makes me. If you're a pussy running that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can tell you how bad that hurt. I was like second lap. I was just like, man, what am I doing? This hurts so bad. And somehow you just hold on, I guess. She could be in that race. That's it. Just, just hold on. Yeah, so is that something like, – that's interesting. That's interesting, man, because I think a lot of people sort of can get to a difficult position in a race. Like, And I get – I've been in that position where you're a couple of laps in going, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? Like, how do you, how do, you do with those moments, man? Have you got any little uh, things that you do or you just zone off and try and focus on the actual race? Yeah, I mean, what I'll say to that is I think it's uh, – that's like – that's especially at this level, I think that's what the sport is. It becomes increasingly mental and um, – that's kind of what you're working on in training every day or every week, you know. Um, since I was young, one thing that Ben St. Lawrence said to me, which um, has stuck with me, is he was talking about how, like, a common misconception is that, especially for people that are just getting into running, they think that once they start training and they get fit, the races are going to start feeling easier. But they never feel easier, you know. They You kind of just learn to push yourself harder and harder. And so I think when you get to this level um, – it honestly you can just push yourself harder and harder and so what that means is definitely you try different like mental tactics and stuff um being very focused on the race is um something that i'm doing um expecting kind of like the expecting to hurt but hoping not to hurt is like <laughs> a thing that i do because it doesn't always feel super bad uh it, it's such a weird sport sometimes it feels really good sometimes it feels really bad and some, I think sometimes that's just out of your control. You might be running the same pace, you know, but some days it just doesn't feel that good. Um, and then, yeah, when it really gets down to it, like, for example, in a 5K, kind of like that 3K, 4K section is often, like, the hardest for most people. It's probably the hardest for myself. There's different stuff you can do. I think um, you can – I mean, obviously, of, often it is just being focused um, on the race, but then, you know, I've worked with uh, – some sports psychologists and stuff and there's different stuff and it's pretty much a question of like asking yourself like how bad you like want to hurt like how how much pain you're willing to take on to achieve like this goal that you set for yourself and I think when you frame it like that you realize like yeah I'll, I'll accept more and more pain if um you know you think about how much like you've put into it up to that point how bad you want it uh you think about maybe like all the different people that have invested in you and like that care about you and that you make happy by racing well, like just all mm -hmm. different stuff. 
that'll help you. But yeah, you definitely try a lot of different stuff. And I, I imagine this is an area where everyone's really different because we all, that's, it's so individual at that point, you know, when it's just you racing and you're, that's really you against yourself in a way. Um, there's a lot of different stuff though, but yeah, that's, I think it becomes very, very mental when you get to that side of it. Yeah. Are you working a lot with the sports psychologists? I don't work a lot with them because I think it's just like logistically it's, it's difficult, but um, Appalachia Australia is great. Like when we're on trips, having some really good guys and I'll definitely try to work with them as much as I can then. And then the rest of the time I'm more, I guess, like doing stuff on my own, but like trying to have the kind of like, like still working on, I guess, the same lessons that like I would have worked on with them. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point, man. It's interesting. Like I, I had a chat with Maddie Clark. Um, I, I assume you know Matt Clark. He's a. Yeah, I know him well. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually remind me a little bit just the way you speak and stuff. It's it sort of, which is a compliment. He's a good fella. Um, but I had a really good chat with him the other day on the podcast, and and he was just chatting about some of the different strategies and stuff he puts in place to help him with with difficult parts of the races. And you're right, I find it interesting because it is so unique to the the individuals just just different things that seem to work so like when you hit that hurt point is is it is it like a trigger in your mind to go okay well uh i'm, I'm going to try and think about the stuff that you just explained to me or does it just happen naturally yeah. now i think it ha i think it depends on the race um but it can happen naturally but i mean i guess maybe not naturally it's probably things that i've thought through before the race you know i don't do like a ton of visualization or anything but like it's things that i've kind of thought through before at hand uh but I mean, yeah, like, especially in races when you're racing, I don't think you think about that stuff as much. You think about just racing the people around you. Um, I think more just like when I've been like in my kind of, when I'm in like the hurt lock, you know, when you're like on PB pace, that's when you go to that stuff, which is a different type of race. But like in say my, my NCAA championship races, like that's just pure racing. So I don't think like you go to that place. You're just so... Um, you relax, but you're so like focused on the people around you and everything that's happening that, yeah, you know, you're not really going inside for that stuff. But yeah, there's certainly certain races where you are. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Do you what's your raw speed like, man? I'm just thinking back to your NCAA races and <laughs> are you the kind of so I used to play I used to play Aussie Rules for a couple well, when I was younger and then once I finished running, Mark Blitzhaft inspired me to go and uh, get yeah. drafted, which just didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I remember at the end of <laughs> at the end of the games, like people used to go to me, mate. Like I don't know where you get your speed from. It's incredible. But if you put me on a hundred meter sprint, I probably would have been like in the second half of the field out of just yeah. raw speed. But just because no, my, my speed injury, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Like I remember like doing strides with like my friends in my squad back in the day and just getting smoked. <laughs> and uh i mean i did used to i was like a really small kid until i was like 16 you know so i just like wasn't that type of yeah naturally like big speedy kid but even now like i don't think my speed is anything like crazy impressive i think it is mostly just like strength you know and i think that's how i think the reality is is that how that's how like all good distance runners that have kicks are really like i mean obviously there's going to be a difference in raw speed but i think it's actually the strength that ends up mattering a lot like I mean, Stuart McSwain, like, he can obviously close so quick now. And I think his raw speed hasn't changed much. Um, but he's just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And then that's why he can close like he can now, you know. I don't think that's as much to do with raw speed necessarily. And that's definitely how I am. Like, I don't do anything, like, unique for my speed or anything. Like, I do keep up with my strides and hill sprints. Like, kind of, like, normal stuff that is just good to do. But, yeah, apart from that, it's... Well, it just I think it's just better strength and that results in me for a better kick. 
Yeah, it's funny, man. I used to go to school with Craig Huffer in in Gippsland, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a couple of years older than him. And I remember before our sessions, like my, as I said, my speed's nothing crazy at all. Um, and we would just be doing like our warm up strides. And I always remember Craig would do what I thought was absolutely just annihilate the first stride. And I remember saying to him once, he was like 13, and I was 16. I was like, mate, like why are you why are you working so hard on your strides? He's like, no, no, it's me at about 70%. I was like, no, tell me you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I was, I was in that exact spot, like, because I was obviously, like, I mean, I was, like, I was good. Like, I was really good. But so, like, in races, like, distance races, which is what we were training for, like, I would do really well and I would maybe win them. But um, in the strides, my the guys I was training with, they knew that they could uh, – <laughs> They could mess me up in those, so they would take it to me and be making fun of me, and I would just be trying my hardest, and they would still be smashing me every time. <laughs> I, I remember that well. Oh, man, yeah, so funny. I'm glad you can laugh. I guess, I guess it's easy to laugh when you've, when you've come out the other end of it and just blown smoke. I still find it hard to laugh because all those guys finish with way faster PBs than me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so dude, how long have you been living up in Boulder for? Oh, man, like uh, three weeks now about. Yeah, pretty recent move. Oh, dude, you're super recent. I thought you were going to say yeah. a couple of years. No, so so I graduated from Wisconsin um, about a bit over a year ago. And uh, initially, I stayed with my college coach there in Madison. It's in Madison, Wisconsin. And so I was there um, all through the year. I was actually back in Australia for about three months at the end of last year, getting a new visa. And I came back over here at the start of the year, and I was still in Madison. Um but then I made the coaching change about, yeah, a couple months ago or so. And initially I came uh, I came and did like an altitude training camp with the squad for a month and then went back to Madison. And then that same day, packed up all my stuff and I uh, drove down here. So, yeah, that was like three weeks ago now. All right, man. So it's been an eventful life in uh, the world of McDonald, eh? It has been, man. I didn't, I didn't realize moving was uh, so stressful, but yeah, it takes a bit out of you, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, I um, so right now I'm in, I'm in an apartment in Hawthorne in in Melbourne, and um, I'm on the sixth level of this apartment, and yeah. I I made a deal to myself that I'd never move again because uh, so we have an elevator, like a communal elevator where everyone oh, can yeah. come upstairs, no worries, but um, so everything fit in beautifully apart from our bed which has like a bed base and like obviously yeah. a mattress and bed head and everything else. And bro, I thought until that point in the move, I thought that's not as bad as everyone's made it anyway yeah. with me. Uh, oh, can you still, oh, there we go. So I thought my mic cut out with me and my mum and my wife trying to carry this stuff up to the sixth floor, just using the yeah. stairs. It was like, oh it was enough God. to make me go, you know what? I'm never moving again. So uh, I think it sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, were you just doing it solo? No, so I moved, I live with, uh, you know, Oliver Hall. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He um, also went to Wisconsin, Australian. Also from Sydney. He's from Canola, uh, NCAA 1500 meter champ. He moved down to Boulder as well. So we lived together and we were in Madison together. So we, uh, I got back from my training camp on a Monday and we decided to leave, I think, that Friday. So I had to pack up everything in a few days and we rented uh, like a moving van and I have a car. So I drove my car and he drove the van. It was 14 hours. Oh. Uh, we stayed overnight. There was like, we have a friend who lived um, in Nebraska, which is like halfway in the middle of nowhere. But uh, yeah, we did it over two days and uh, now now we're here. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty tiring stuff, but good life experience, I guess. Bloody, what, so what, <laughs> were you staying in hotels or did you just put the, the beds in the van back and, and just sleep <laughs> on the road? Uh, we ended up staying in a hotel. Um, 
which was fine. It was it was fine. We weren't there for very long, you know, just like left early in the morning and stuff. But yeah, just in some shitty hotel somewhere in Nebraska. <laughs> when when me and my wife first got married, we um we went on like a cheap holiday. Well, I say cheap. It was cheap once we got there. So we went to LA. We were there for a month. Mm-hmm. But we thought, all right, just for the adventure, we'll hire like a hippie van and we'll just drive around and we'll just sleep in car parks and on the side of the roads. And that anyway, bro, cool. <laughs> it was it was cool until one night we were buggered and uh, we stopped off in in Bakersfield. Yeah. And uh, we were sleeping just um, well, it was weird, man. It was like an industrial area or whatever. And I said to Jesse, my wife, I go, babe, like if anyone's near our car tonight, just wake me up because it's not a good sign. And just had a dodgy <laughs> feel to it. And uh, yeah. anyway, bro, we, we fell asleep. And at about 2 a.m., my wife woke me up. And she's like, babe, there's five guys around the car, like with a spotlight looking in. We need to move. And oh, I was like, boy. how long have they been there for? Is it police? And she's like, no, they've all got hoodies and stuff. Oh, and, uh, bro, it was the most terrifying night <laughs> of my life. So um, it yeah, was it so was embarrassing. Scary. So I, I, like, tried to put on this big, deep voice to scare them off, which wasn't scary at all. And then she <laughs> jumped in the front seat and bolted, man. But whenever I hear someone doing road trips in the States, I think back to – just scary memory, but you, it sounds like you guys did it in more style than what we did. No, yeah, we weren't quite that sketchy. We, uh, <laughs> we were in safe, pretty safe areas, I would say. It was it was pretty chill, honestly. Yeah, sweet man. So what? Um, I don't know. I don't want to get you in trouble here, but like, what inspired the the moving in coaches? Um, so yeah, the, there's like a few different factors. Um, but you know, pretty much. So Mick was my coach for. Um, bit over five years like he was my college coach and stuff and we had such a good relationship like and we still do like it was it was so good um and I wanted to keep stay I wanted to stay with him after um I graduated in Madison and be coached by him kind of forever to be honest but I think um I just kind of struggled a lot with being in Madison in a college town kind of on my own doing that whole thing like it was a lot harder than I thought it would be to be honest not having like teammates or other people around me doing the same thing and uh, I can tell you, like, the first day I get back to Madison, I just felt so old. Like, because it's a college town, you know, when I was around with my college friends, but then I wasn't in college anymore. So I'm just kind of like that old guy, like, man, what are you still doing here? <laughs> so it was like, I kind of felt like I should get out. And then, um, yeah, as like a pro runner, things are just different to how they are as a college runner. And, um, you know, I always kind of knew, like, I would want to – well, I always knew Boulder was, like, a great place for running. Um, it's just got such, like, a big – vibrant kind of running scene especially right now it's just growing and growing and there's so many pro runners here so I knew it was like a pretty cool place and it really excited me just to have that kind of scene around me and then looking at this group that I'm in and Joe as a coach like I just thought it suited me really well as kind of like that next step um as like a pro runner and just to keep kind of progressing and so I mean you know I was talking it through with Mick the whole time he I don't he I mean he's like the he's the greatest guy in the world honestly I remember like when I, I came to him, I was like, yeah, Mick, I feel really old here. And he was like, yeah, I was wondering how long it would take you to say that. Like, he was totally, like, understood. And then he's, he's got no, like, ego about coaching or anything, no attachment. He's like, he's like, yeah, you got to do what's best for you. And so, yeah, we looked at we looked at the different options. And we're like, yeah, this is probably what makes most sense for me. So, uh, yeah, I kind of took that leap a bit. And, uh, yeah, I went up. My first experience was just, like, going up to training camp with the group. So just like completely thrown into it. But that was really awesome, actually. You know, um, I think if you go on training camp with someone, you get to know them really well. <laughs> um, and so it was just a great way to kind of like get joined in the group. And everything's been so fun and so sweet since then. So, yeah, it's been awesome. I'm really just excited for it going forwards as well. Yeah. So is your whole group up in Boulder? Yeah, everyone lives here in Boulder. 
Yeah, sweet man. So, what's the first couple yeah. of weeks been like? Like, I know, as you said, it's been fun moving and, um, you know, just uh, immersing yeah. yourself in the new group and stuff like that. But just as a, as a, is it a big population? Like, I have no idea, man. Um, yeah, Boulder's kind of weird because Boulder is actually also like a college town, but it's it's a bit bigger. It's got it's like in the mountains a bit. I mean, it's different to anywhere else, to be honest. Like, I don't know how to what to compare it to, um, but it's very like. It's a very, very nice place and just very outdoorsy, you know, like everyone here is like doing something outdoors. Um, so, you know, I've just been like exploring all the different spots to run and stuff. And it's uh, oh, it's just so pretty here. The uh, It's actually like the place in America where kind of like the landscape reminds me the most of Australia, I would say, because it's like a lot of like kind of like the green grasslands, but like the slightly dead grass, like the not nuts because like where I was where I was in Wisconsin it gets super luscious and green but here it's a bit more Australia like in some nice trees and stuff so it's just like nice rolling hills but yeah we're up at altitude at 5,000 feet which is like it's it's a bit altitude but it's not too bad I guess like similar to Falls Creek um but yeah there's just so many runners here and there's just like uh it's just a lovely place to live to be honest and my group I feel very lucky we have um like a gym that my coach uh like they rent out for us so you know we go to practice uh that sounds very american me saying that <laughs> well going <laughs> to practice yeah we go to practice <laughs> it's going for a run <laughs> so we go for a run <laughs> do a session um and uh then we'll go to the gym and do like some lifting and stuff after and, yeah it's just a lot of fun you know it's 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 really cool here yeah man so you were saying your coach has got a real big focus on that gym side of yeah. things like uh, I, I don't know i think you sort of hinted at the fact you hadn't fully immersed yourself in the gym work just yet but no. like, do you know what that's going to look like? How it's going to change compared to what you have been doing? Because you could have um, me, bro. I thought like I reckon you look like a bloke who'd be deadlifting four hundred kilos. I, I don't know what that is in pounds, just to clarify. I wish, man. I like. I, I remember like the day after, um, I won, or I mean, it's like a couple of days after I won the national five k in twenty eighteen. I was at the beach with Pat Tiernan, and I had my shirt off, shirt off, and he was just looked at me. He's like, like, how the hell did you win? Like, look at you. You look. <laughs> You look like I just look like a normal person, you know. There's nothing impressive there at all. And I was like, yeah, you're right, man. I, I need to do something about this. But uh, that's a big call know. coming from Pat Tiernan as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks more like a runner than me. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyway. So I haven't really gotten too much into that stuff because it's it's just hard, you know. You need like someone who's like who's uh, kind of like doing your program, and it needs to be consistent. Otherwise, it doesn't really matter. It needs to be like a lot of purpose behind it. So. The setup here is really cool because Joe himself has a good amount of knowledge, like in that area. Like he's he's done a lot of like re- reading and stuff, and and like has a good experience with all the different drills. But he works very closely with a really good. Um, I think by trade he's a chiropractor, but just like you know that type of physio type guy, and like he treats us and he kind of looks at like what our different like weaknesses and stuff might be. And so then together like they um they like formulate what what like we should be doing essentially and so i know that i have uh well my feet are really bad which i've been told forever i always knew that and then i have like some glute weakness and so i know that once um the season's over i'll be like hitting the gym like four to five times a week maybe you know five probably four but like actually like getting like some uh some like proper real lifting and like just adding more mass um especially my glutes i don't know the car guy looked at my glutes he's like yeah man you need a bigger butt so <laughs> that's what i'm gonna be working on i guess <laughs> yeah what's the matter with your feet i have i just have like flat feet and um so they're like pretty weak 
So a lot of like my calf problems probably comes part in part from that. I mean, there's so many factors, but I just don't have very strong feet, too much mm. wearing shoes and stuff, you know? Yeah. Okay. So what, there's certain exercises that I get you to do just to try and toughen yeah. those up. So be walking yes. around with a big booty and strong feet for like 2021, <laughs> hey? Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> Sorry, I think I cut you off there. You're about to say something, were you? Yeah, I was going to just like mention like there's all this like feet stuff that you can do, which is like really, it's almost like mental because you're trying to learn, like there's a ton of muscles there, but in shoes, you, you don't use any of them. So like you got to kind of learn to, you got to like learn to control your toes and your different feet and stuff. And then you can build up all the different muscles and it's very tedious and it's, takes a bunch of time and stuff but yeah that's like the type of stuff that i'll be doing yeah awesome man now that's good it's sort of it sounds like a nice little transition period this like for if you want to look at the positives i know i know the states is doing it tough in a lot of ways when it comes to this yeah. COVID stuff but like as a started. yeah far out bro. i can imagine you got i can imagine there's, there's a whole conversation that's a whole nother podcast hey yeah. um but uh like for a runner there's there seems to be especially in your position like for what it's worth not having competition this year why you move location, why you switch coaches, get used to the new program. Like there's almost some perks there for a bloke in your position. Yeah, totally. So I, I guess I didn't mention this before and like the when you asked about the transition with coaches, but um, my plan was definitely, I thought I would relocate at some point. Like I didn't think I'd be in Madison forever. And so initially the plan was like, let's make it through 2020 Olympics. Like one more year, you don't want to change anything for that. And then, um, Ollie Hall was still there as like a great training partner through 2020 and then obviously everything happened and um I was still there but it was like man this is now we have so much time like actually I think now it would be a pretty good time to kind of make these changes um exactly with the mindset that you just mentioned where it's like I mean now is a great time to there's no pressure in terms of competition or anything so you can um take the time to yeah make that transition and so yeah, that was definitely a lot of the thought behind it. And, um, yeah, like I see people doing these great time trials and um, I'm like, man, I wish I was doing that right now. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, those races are still so far away. So, um, like, if there is any time to maybe not quite be, like, killing it on the track uh, every week or whatever, it's, it's right now, you know. Now's the time to, um, yeah, do, like, the hard work to improve for the future. So, it is certainly my mentality. Um, but if I, there are still like some races happening here in the US, so I think I should be racing in the next few weeks actually. But um, yeah, we'll just see what happens. It's not definitely not like the same pressure that this year would have been. <laughs> sure, I know you're probably not looking at doing too many races at the altitude that you're at now. But what's it? Uh, what's the the whole COVID situation like in in Boulder? Uh, people here take it pretty seriously. Um, in terms of cases, it's not like super high, but it's Sorry to bring this up again, man. If you're anything like <laughs> no. me, I'm so sick of hearing the bloody word COVID that I can't believe I've just asked the question, but I'm too interested to hear the answer now to cut it off. Yeah, no, it's fine. Like, Boulder, everyone's, like, very serious about wearing masks, like, out on the trail and stuff. Like, if you're not wearing a mask, like, people would yell at you and stuff. People would take it seriously, but that's not the case in a lot of places. Um, but here, it's relatively under control, I would say. Yeah, other okay. Places, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it like a – is the morale in – because – I know, I know news headlines can be deceptive and we only hear one side of the story or whatever and just looking at numbers, you can go like, oh my gosh, you're doing it tough. But like, what is the, it's been a weird year for, for the yeah. States, hasn't it? Like there seems yeah, to be so, a bit of tension and a bit of bloody Corona and <laughs> a weird yeah. combination. 
I mean, a lot of a lot of shit happening, and it's it's funny because like, I think as a runner and like where I live, like I'm kind of in a bubble sometimes where it's like, I'm, I'm just very privileged, very lucky for a lot of reasons, and so it's like, it's not as bad as it looks. I would say for me, I guess it's for some people it is obviously, but like, cause what'll happen is like my mom will call me and she'd be like, yeah, I heard this happen on the news. This looks crazy and all this stuff and i'm like and i'm like oh wow i didn't even know about that that's news to me right oh this is a story of my life yeah Uh, it's a story how do you go with those conversations with your mum? because i i love i always feel bad because my my mum called like she called me a couple of weeks ago and said the same thing she's like ties how are you feeling about the fact you have to wear masks and i was like mum, i had i actually had no idea like this is the first i've heard of it (laughs) no i mean it, it it's fine it's uh it's just funny you know to kind of like see how the news portrays and then see like what my experience is you know because it's just often very different but but i mean i guess maybe i should be a bit more keyed into what's happening around me i suppose but yeah as i said i think boulder is a bit of a bubble it's just like such a beautiful place and people here definitely like take that stuff very seriously so it's not not too bad i guess yeah i don't know what your thoughts are either man like it's funny my mum says that same thing to me she goes tosh you know you need, pay, need to pay more attention to what's going on but by that she means you need to watch the news and yeah. i'm like i don't feel like i'm really getting a good represent representation by that either and as, no. as horrible as it is here like there's dude like and and it's so it's so horrible obviously for the people who are losing their lives from it but every day i feel like the australian media is trying to focus on like the youngest person who dies from it because originally it was like hey coronavirus is super scary be careful yeah. and then we're like oh okay it's like it's elderly people who usually have underlying conditions who seem to be copying it sweet which is still terribly sad but it's like that's not quite scary enough to sell headlines now so the last few days it's been like 40 year old dies from coronavirus how terrible yeah i mean like like the news here is crazy man <laughs> like i don't watch the news obviously but but like there's some crazy shit on there depending on what news channel you're watching um and yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, so headlines and stuff, you know, they, they love it. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's different for people our age, you know, we get a lot of information through like Twitter or Instagram, which I mean, is good in some ways and maybe not the best in others. But um, I mean, obviously there are still a lot of good news sources out here, but yeah, man, it's, I, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to not always pay attention to all that sen- sensational stuff, you know, Um coronavirus they take pretty serious i guess my mom's like a doctor so she's, she's like you gotta gotta follow these rules and that um and i think like i mean it's a, it is kind of annoying that like a lot of people don't but i mean that's that's america man like that's how it is in some places here yeah okay what well, so it's quite passionate about like your your freedom to to sort of just operate in the way that you want to operate without the government sort of forcing anything down you I think that's throat. it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely no expert. I'm definitely not really the person to talk on this. But yeah, me either. That's like that. That's that's what a lot of it seems like. At yeah, least. yeah. Interesting, <laughs> man. You don't seem like the kind of bloke who strikes me as getting too stressed about much at all. Like I've only been speaking to you for forty minutes, but the vibe I get is you're a fairly relaxed customer. Is that is that fairly true for? Are you yeah, often I've been, I've been described life? as a uh, pretty even kill before? <laughs> <laughs> is that just no, temperament, that's... or is that something you've had to work on? Oh, no, it's just the way I am. Dude, yeah. it's, it's, such a, it's such a good temperament to have. It's a, it's refreshing. <laughs> it's refreshing. I feel I feel like a more relaxed person just chatting to you. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, what's the plan for the next couple of weeks then? Like, you're, you're obviously settling into your group. You keep training. You, you settle in as a new resident in Boulder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, like, same same thing as normal, you know, as, like, a pro runner. It's, like, trying to get better every day pretty much. Um, 
And so for now, that means, um, yeah, kind of like still, still like adapting to a lot of the group stuff, a lot of the lifting, the set, the different sessions and stuff. Um, we are like kind of mid season, even though the season hasn't really started. So it's like, we're doing certain workouts and stuff, for racing in a few weeks. So obviously like getting ready for those and, um, trying to get hyped up to give them everything, but still with, um, that longer term, more, more like in your mind, I guess, than it normally would be because, because of everything. So it's like, yeah, I'm like still trying to just like up my volume and stuff in training, which I haven't really been able to do that well because of like tip post stuff and that this year. So yeah, it's kind of like a bit of a mix right now between like getting ready for races and then just like just overall improvement in training, I guess, and nothing to it. So yeah, still like a lot of challenges, a lot of stuff to get me excited, you know, so it, it's not bad. Yeah. What, what does your training week look like at the moment? So I'm like a pretty, um, pretty like typical American type, type schedule, I would say. We're not, we're not as like, um, it can change a bit more than like my training in Australia changed in terms of like which days we do sessions and stuff. But kind of like the general layout is two sessions a week in a long run. And um, so on, on like your average week, I think the sessions would be Tuesday, Friday, and then long run Sunday. And definitely uh, with my group, like long runs are like kind of go how you feel. Like they're, they're hard runs, uh, but like as hard as you want. And so like some days they'll like be like pretty solid. And so kind of like a third session, I guess. And after all those days is when we lift, like right after um, the runs. And then the rest of the days are um, mostly just easy days um, with some doubles there and getting in miles. And um doing like some hill sprints and stuff on the days before sessions but yeah pretty pretty basic stuff to be honest yeah that's very that is a very american session i reckon that sunday long run run to how you feel it's not something that a lot of aussies seem to do is it it's usually treated more as just like a longer slower run just to build that foundation but i was following i still do follow geordie guzman on on strava and i used to see some of his posts on a sunday afternoon and i'd look at his run from the morning and be like holy crap like what are you so how, how quick do you make those runs if you're feeling good? Um, you know, we might get down. It depends who you are so much. Like, I, I have some teammates who, like, every week they'll be um, probably, like, you know, 345s and quicker type stuff. But, um, yeah, on really good days I'll get down to, like, you know, what would be, like, kind of tempo threshold place or close to that. So, you know, for me that's, like, maybe around, like, that 320 pace. But it just depends. Um um, I'm someone who does probably chill more than other people. So then I'll just be running like, you know, four minute pace or three fifty pace or whatever per K. But yeah, I think because I mean, because we're not doing it because we're doing, you know, sessions on Tuesday, Friday, and then Saturday is normally a really easy day. Like you, you can definitely feel good some Sundays. Whereas in Australia where the focus is more often like, kind of like maybe like a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sessions, I think by Sunday you be pretty tired. And so it's so much more about just get the miles in. It doesn't matter like what pace it is, but just get them in. I know that's how a lot of guys um, approach it. And that's definitely how I approached it when I was doing those three sessions a week. So yeah, I think it kind of makes sense. It's just a different system really. Yeah. So you're pretty much the kind of bloke from what you explained where are you, like is your performance on race day – significantly better than your performance on a training track like you're yeah. quite happy to go into training quite relaxed and um like you'll have blokes who you probably beat on race day running with you or ahead of you and then you're happy just to wind it up when that competition yeah. surrounding you yeah that's that's how i've been um 
like if you move through my training like it's nothing like to like blow you away i definitely um I definitely don't do too much crazy stuff. Most of it is just kind of moderate, I guess you would say, um, just like building strength and stuff. And um, that's really mostly what I need, you know. And then on race day, I'm able to bring it up another level. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of just like always the way that I've been. I've definitely done some big sessions here and there. And, like, as of late at altitude, I've done some pretty hard sessions. Like, at altitude, like, everything becomes harder more often, more easily, I guess. Um, so I've done some pretty hard sessions, so still kind of like calibrating with that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, everyone's different. Um, everyone trains differently, but that's just kind of the way that I've always been, which is pretty nice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say you've always been like that, because um, like you look at, especially me as a, as a younger athlete, and I know the athletes that I train with, it's I found it super hard not to get really competitive with the blokes yeah. who were surrounding me. Like, so was that just something that you you experimented with and realized just was good for you? Because it's a, it's a really, yeah. I think that's probably the the most underestimated, underestimated <laughs> skill that a lot of people can have is just to to leave a little bit in the tank for race day and, and don't just be the king of yeah. training. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I was real young, I was a freaking idiot and probably so annoying to like have, for like the older guys that were actually doing proper sessions like Benny or something. The way that we would train was like so stupid. Like we would like, we would be doing like, you know, way less than these guys, but like we'd be starting together and say we'd be doing 400s on the second. This is like when I was really young, but there's like a group of us that would all do this. Like the second last rep, we would literally just like jog it. And then the last <laughs> rep, we would race it and go so hard. And, like, and our long runs, we would, the way that our squad used to long run was that we would like all meet up for the end part rather than the start part. So I would be doing like a 50 minute long run and Benny would probably be doing like two hours. And those last, like, 15 minutes, like, I would be all out <laughs> just trying to push it. Um, <laughs> so I definitely did that a lot when I was really young. But then when I was, like, I guess taking the sport a bit more seriously, like, when I was 16, um, still in the same squad, I had a lot of guys who were, like, you know, kind of, um, like, young 20s who were, like, they were, they were real solid runners. And in training, like, they would, um, they would normally, like, kind of smash me and do some real good stuff. But then in race day, um, I would be able to, like, you know, hang with them or beat them. And that kind of just, like, was a bit of a light bulb type thing. But to be honest, like, it's a lesson that I've relearned multiple times in my career because I remember coming to Wisconsin and getting a bit excited and having, like, uh, me and this other freshman um, with, like, we did this one session, which was mile repeats, and we, like, hammered the last one. And there was an older kid on the team who we dropped on that rep. And then in a cross-country race, he beat us by, like, a minute. So I've definitely, like, <laughs> I've, like, in general had that um, kind of mentality, which has been good. But, yeah, it's definitely a lesson that you relearn sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm obviously in no race pace uh, – sorry, no race form anymore. Like, I still run quite a lot just to keep fit. But um, I, I don't know if you get this in, in Boulder where everyone probably respects you a bit more. But because I'm still quite a good runner in comparison to your average yeah. bloke, um, the amount of people I run past here in Melbourne – and I'm just going for like an easy morning run. And all of a sudden it turns into them like a sprint to the closest light pole. Like I'm, I'm involved in about six races every week that I had like had not signed up for. <laughs> so I think oh, it's, it's something deep down in us that just wants to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't get caught up in too many uh, easy run races, I guess, luckily. I don't get my ass kicked. I run with Ollie and Ollie's like, I'm kind of like, I mean, when I call myself a pussy, I'm like, you know, 
I'm like a little bit injury prone and stuff. So I watch out of it. Ollie's like the type of guy who's never been injured in his life. Like on any day he feels amazing and he could just like uh, absolutely kick my ass. So he would always just put me in my place if he ever had anything like that. <laughs> How fast does he run a 1500 in? Uh, he's run, that's a good question. Probably like 337 or something. Holy hell. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> not mucking around. He's not mucking around. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> Dude, so you mentioned, like, I know we only got about 10 minutes left or so, but I've, I've got a couple of questions I'm going to fire at you before I let you go. I'm, I'm interested, sweet. man, to know about your – um. so you were speaking about just the life of a, a pro runner and how obviously you got to do your running, you got to do your gym. Like, are there any other elements that you see as just as important as those that – we've got quite a lot of runners who listen to the podcast who are, who are relatively new, um, if not completely new, who, like, I feel like would just appreciate some general tips around what they could do to, to nurture yeah. – different aspects of their running yeah i guess what i would say to that is i think i mean i think there's something to be said about the mindset where like running becomes the main focus of your life and so then you kind of live in like a lifestyle where more things kind of um you know are all like designed around like trying to make you as good at running as possible but i would i mean for the average person i'd say like don't worry about that stuff because i think like it's more worry than uh, it's worth quite often because um you know there's actually something that I'm definitely like learning and um have struggled with at times where I was in as a college student being a student and a runner at the same time to me was the perfect balance because I had this other stuff going on and um I mean it's not like I mean it's annoying obviously sometimes when you have to like change around your runs or whatever um and you feel like you're like you know just getting in or whatever but to be honest like most of the time I don't think it matters as much as you would think and I think often having that other thing in your life can be really really healthy because it's something to take your mind away from running and something else to like you know get excited for or get passionate about um so yeah for the average person I would say like don't feel like you need to become some like freaking robot crazy runner person uh, but yeah as a pro runner you definitely sometimes become a bit of a crazy robot person like a bit more I guess um i would say like mostly when you're at training camp that's when you become very very focused that's because it's not necessarily sustainable you know to like do that forever uh but when we went we got to training camp um at it's like nine thousand feet of altitude so it's super high so that has like a really big toll on your body um in like every single way pretty much so you have to like actively like be like all right i'm gonna recover like i'm gonna like i'm gonna like do my do my uh run my gym and then take a nap and i don't really nap like i'm not a napping person so i just like lie down or whatever but you're like actively like i need to like take it easy uh, so that's like and i think you'll find like most pro runners are good at like doing nothing you know that's kind of like that's kind of like one of the things which you'll see or like man these guys can just do nothing and like they're happy <laughs> and that's not necessarily you know that's not necessarily for everyone um but I think, yeah, it just comes down to, like, working hard and then recovering, you know. And then there's all the other aspects. Like, I think you've probably heard, like, enough about it. But, like, sleep is obviously just, like, so important. Um, and that's going to matter, you know. You can't, like, recover as well if you're not sleeping. That's super important. And then there's diet. Um, I know some really good runners who have pretty shitty diets. So <laughs> there's that. Uh, but I think it still probably matters. Um, but, yeah, I think yeah the more you get into running the more like kind of just your whole life becomes like based around like trying to be as good at running as possible i guess 
Yeah, it's a really good point, man. Actually, um, your local, your your neighbour, actually, Lee Troop, who was on yeah. this podcast a few weeks ago, said the same thing. I think I might have mentioned it a couple of times, but Liam Adams is a is a classic example of a bloke who's running such yeah, a crazy I level. Like <laughs> Dude, he's a freak. He's a freak, yeah. isn't he? Did, yeah, have you have you yeah. heard him speak about what he does during the week? Oh, I know, man. He's crazy, but it's amazing. It's uh, it just blows my mind. And and I said that to Troopy. I go, mate, like, what do you say about a bloke like Liam Adams who's busting out these ridiculous hours at work and then busting out ridiculous Ks? He's like, yeah, it's what everyone did back in the eighties. It's normal. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, man, it worked. And like, I mean, the times that we run now aren't like really that different to what they ran back then, right? But like, the world is like pretty different, and we have more like professional runners and stuff. But yeah, running like in a lot of ways is a pretty simple sport, you know. So it's like, and I think I think the difference between running and perhaps a lot of other sports, um, maybe even like other endurance sports like cycling, is like you're just so limited in the actual amount of hours that you can put into running, and so um, you know you just can't do too much. And like one thing that I didn't mention before, which I probably should have mentioned, is like I do a ton more like uh, activation type drills and like for like this injury prevention stuff. Um, which I think is pretty common for pro runners. Like they'll just do a lot more of that stuff because like, that's kind of like uh, the extra stuff that you can do, which like maybe or hopefully helps, you, you know, but at the same time, like um, if you were just a casual runner, like I wouldn't say like you should spend all this time doing all this extra stuff because you're probably, it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not, it's not worth it probably. Like it's like for us, like it, it you know, we have the time, so we're definitely going to try to spend it as productively as possible. But um, if you don't have the time, like, you'll still be fine probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, man. What, what about yourself? Like as a pro runner with all that time up your sleeve, once you've done your activation work and your recovery and you had your nap and there's still yeah. another 12 hours left in the day, like what do you, what do you get up to? What do you do in your downtime? Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of weird. Like I, I just get into different stuff and I get pretty obsessive with like just random shit. So, uh, um, lately I've just been like playing like chess online which is very <laughs> random. I'm pretty bad, but uh, yeah, I just play random stuff. Like I don't, I, I have played video games at some points. Like I'll probably get back into them again. Not super right now. I just watch YouTube videos and random stuff. Like I, I read sometimes, um, um, you know, I go hang out with people sometimes, um, but nothing crazy to be honest. That's awesome. I feel like you're describing me. I'm I'm super similar to you in that. But I get so obsessed with the most ridiculous things. Like what yeah. other what other phases have you been through? So you're in chess right now. But give us a couple of the other glimpses of of your obsessions. Man, pretty much like everything out there. Like um, <laughs> don't tell my coach, but like I just bought a skateboard as well, and like been like watching so many skateboarding videos. Don't tell my sponsor, or my coach that though. But um, <laughs> can you do a quick clip? Well, that's kind of, like, my goal, like, because oh, I used to skate when I was younger, but, and, like, I couldn't, so, like, I think I'm going to try to learn that, but, like, I think it's kind of stupid to do, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah, I get really into, like, random sports, like, every single American sport I've gotten into at some point, pretty much, which is, like, kind of weird, like, I was just watching all these baseball videos, and people were like, why the hell are you watching baseball, but I was, like, I went to, like, one baseball game live, and I was, like, man, this is pretty cool, um, but yeah, I guess actually get into uh, some of the some of the stuff is like productive. Like I've been like pretty into like cooking at different points in my life, which is like you know that's a very useful skill. But yeah, a lot of it is not very productive. <laughs> so so yeah. funny, man, dude. There's a really good video on YouTube. I'll try and forward you the link of a. Uh, it's just a video of a bloke. You might have seen it. Trying to record how long it takes him to do a kickflip. 
I've, I've probably seen I've seen a few of those. It's recently. so funny. And actually, Joe Rogan had an awesome conversation a couple of months ago with Tony Hawk, which I recommend yeah. to you. Oh, just, to actually, it might scare you off because he's just talking about like CTE and all these knockouts and all these KOs and stuff from falling yeah, off. I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna be skating too much on the ramps. I think I think I've had one concussion in my life, and I think it was from when I was skating when I was like 12 years old, and I went to like the big skate park and I did a drop in. I just like messed my head up. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of those as well. I used to skate when I was younger and bro, it's a, it's a reason I gave it up. I went through a phase once I once I quit running and didn't get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm going to be Tony Hawk. And bro, it lasted about two weeks till I sprained my wrist. I almost started crying. I thought, this isn't for me. <laughs> yeah, man. I, like injuries, I think, are just part of the sport. So that's why I'm, I'm holding off for now. But like once the scene's over, I'll, I'll get out a little bit, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, awesome, bro. Awesome. Man, that was fun. Thanks so much for, for stopping by for a bit of a chat. It's so good to, as I said, I've, I've, had you, I've had you on my mind to invite you on for ages. And um, I just was lazy and got around to it the other day. So I was pumped that you were keen to, to jump on for a chat, man. <laughs> No worries, man. It was a pleasure. I really enjoy listening to this podcast. Um, podcasts are another thing that I kind of like. I won't listen to a podcast for like for like two months, and then I'll I'll listen to like a good one, and then I'll just like be freaking hooked, and I'll definitely listen to a lot of your podcasts. So I really enjoyed them. So keep them up. Hey, thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Well, um, well, we'll do it again at some stage. Once you get back racing and stuff, I'll I'll shoot you a message, and if you want to come on and um talk about what it feels to break thirteen for the first time, I can't wait to hear about it. I'd love to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, brother. Well, I'll leave you to it. And uh, yeah, we'll chat soon. Bye.